skin is a living part of your body and your largest organ. And as skincare experts for over 30 years, Dermalogica's number one focus is on empowering people to achieve their healthiest skin ever. Education is at the heart of everything we do. So our podcast brings advice from top skin health experts directly to you. Join us as we discuss research and skin technologies to help you get real results. Welcome to your skincare journey with Dermalogica. It's time to start living in your healthiest skin. Welcome Living Skin Podcast listeners. It's Beth Bialko here, and it is so great to have you with us. You know, on this podcast, we love to talk everything about skin health and the business of skincare, and today is no exception. But we are moving from skin to actually talk about eyebrows. Now, many of you are probably offering brow services in your business, getting your own eyebrows done, or maybe you have friends and family asking you questions about brow shaping. So I am beyond excited for today's podcast as joining me is what I consider the brow guru and expert, Susie Moldovan from Los Angeles, who is also the founder and creator of Flybrow. So welcome, Susie. Thank you so much, Beth. It is so lovely to be here talking to everybody. I love eyebrows, so I'm so happy to talk about them with you and with everybody else. We are so glad you're here today, too, because I think, honestly, I feel like almost every skin therapist is is borderline obsessed with eyebrows. I mean, even consumers. Mm -hmm. I know um, a lot of my friends are as well, too, who maybe aren't in the industry. So this is going to be a great discussion. So for those of you who maybe are not familiar with Flybrow, we're going to talk all about the company. We're going to find out so much more about Susie. One of the things is that she does have over 25 years in the industry. And I absolutely love the concept of Flybrow, but I want to hand it over to her here in just a moment so she can fill you in on this game-changing, eyebrow-shaping way of life. But together today, she and I are going to chat about training, client expectation, and we're even going to bust a few brow myths. So Susie, let's, I want to hand it over to you. So how about you tell us more about yourself, uh, training, and of course, your amazing company, Flybrow. Thank you so much, Beth. So Flybrow is a mobile brow business in Los Angeles and San Francisco and New York right now. And basically what that means is that we bring the beauty service to you. We, are, we believe that we're solving the work-life balance one brow at a time, and we are everywhere you already are. So if you have to get your hair done, and you're in your salon or you have to pick up your you know your skin products at Dermalogica we are popping up at stores and at salons and all the places that you already have to be and we're building through partnership and collaboration with other like-minded companies that are beauty focused you know like some of the places i just mentioned and it's been really fun it's been a, it's a new model we flybrow is definitely disrupting the brow industry we are not just sitting in salons in one city so that you know, I, if I were sitting in Los Angeles or Beverly Hills, that only people who had access to those little small areas could get their brows done by us. But we are trying to spread far and wide so that we can bring the magic of the flybrow to everyone. 
So I do love that about it. I, like you said, have been doing brows for over 25 years. Um, hopefully nobody does the math on that. <laughs> um, when I was, when I was um, in college, um, I have a mom who is an amazing facialist. She was born in Hungary and has been doing skincare for over, gosh, I'm gonna date her too, but I wanna say over 60 years. Um, maybe closer to maybe 55. Anyway, she's amazing. She was trained in Europe and kind of like Jane talks about her training, you know, they do multiple years of training in Europe. Um, and so she was able to move across the country using her hands. And that was a real gift to her because she didn't have the language. And she came to California um, over 40 years ago. And what happened is when I was in college, I was, you know, an American kid growing up, went to college, didn't have a major, didn't really know what I wanted to do, knew that I was attracted to psychology and the film industry, and I was kind of all over the place. And my mom said she wanted me to have a trade because she knew how it served her in her life. And she also kind of knew that I was always the girl getting everyone ready and doing everybody's makeup and hair, and she just thought I would be capable of it. And so the deal she made me was that, you know, I would go to beauty school, um, get a license, and then I could do whatever else I wanted. I could go back to college and get my degree and whatever, whatever it was that made my heart sing. And so I agreed to that, even though I didn't really think beauty school was for me at the time. You know, I was 18 years old and not that excited to be doing that with my summer between my freshman and sophomore year in college. But the magical thing that happened is that I got back to school in my sophomore year and I moved into my sorority house. And, you know, we all went around and shared what we did for the summer. And I was like, oh, well, I got my esthetician license. And the girls were like, wait, what do you know how to do? And so it became this really fun, organic thing that out of my room in the house, I was starting to do brows after Monday night meetings. And I was charging $7 a client and it allowed me to not have to get a job on campus. And it was this like little gift I had. And, you know, it was probably before Malcolm Gladwell wrote The Outliers, where he talks about doing something for 10,000 hours before becoming an expert. But what I know now is that I was starting my 10,000 hours way back then. Um, I've already apologized to all the girls I went to college with because I definitely made all the mistakes I needed to make because you know, beauty school is amazing, but I would say that the brow training is more of an overview. And, you know, we can get into more of that later. But um, it was an amazing start for me. It was something I did kind of on the side. It wasn't my idea of the career I would have. I still finished college. I got a degree in psychology. I started my career in the film industry, first at an agency and then working with producers in both L.A. and New York. But you know, then life kind of went um, in a way that I didn't plan it. And I ended up um, a single mom living um, in Los Angeles. I had just moved back from New York and I kind of had to figure out a way to work and raise my child and kind of be present and be all the things I wanted to be. And it sort of gave birth to the um, to the brow business again, because it was just as my mom had said, it was sort of my plan B, but it was the backup plan I needed at that exact time in my life. And so I started doing things like while he was in school, he was little, um, I had like two hours um, to work and one hour to drive. In LA, you need like 20 to 30 minutes to get anywhere. So 
I was driving, you know, for like 20 to 30 minutes, I would go somewhere, set up, and then I was able to get back to school to pick him up. And it kind of started really slow. Um, like I said, Flybrow is a mobile brow business, and um, Flybrow has actually only been around for about almost three years now. Mm -hmm. um, but this was way, way back when I was just me. I was sort of this girl trying to figure out a way to do brows. I was doing them out of my kitchen. Um, and then one day, one of my clients said that she had to cancel her appointment, and she worked at Condé Nast, which is a um, mag magazine publishing house. And so she said, can you come to me? And I was like, well, I can, but would it be, you know, could you maybe find a few more people at work that might want to get their brows done and then it would be more worth it for me. And the first time I did that, it was like, okay, well, this is weird and different. I have like a wax pot and a microwave. I actually, I use um, wax that comes in glass jars so that I can microwave it, which is like a little bit of a hack, which is like a good thing to know because, you know, if you're mobile and you're on the run, you definitely need to be able to heat wax quickly. Yeah. Um, so, so I was, I went to her office and I did her brows and she got two other girls together and it was great. And she's like, you know what, would you come back next month? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, let's see if we can get a couple more people. And I remember walking in that second time or third time, whatever it was. And I, I overheard one of the girls saying, oh, my God, it's brow day. And I was like, oh, wait, that's <laughs> kind of cool. That's it really was such an organic accident. It was just like I had been doing this thing. It fit into my schedule because I could work in the hours that my son was in school. And instead of going to work at a salon where nobody would hire me for three hours a day, I mean, that would be ridiculous. Um, and so I, I kind of figured out a way to like pack them together. It made me learn to work quickly. So I was turning every client in 15 minutes because I could also do a brow and I could tint that girl while the next girl was in the chair. And I was just like, I had a conference room filled with these women getting their brows done and they were just leaving their office for 15 minutes and going back. And, you know, it was way more productive than visiting the restroom. So it was this great little accident that happened. And I started to notice. And then other friends were like, wait, why do you go to her office? Why can't you come to mine? And so this little thing just got born. Um, and it became just me, Susie, the random girl who showed up at your office doing mobile brows. And I would try to explain it to people. And it was early. You know, this was over 10 years ago now that I was doing this. So people were, it was just really hard to explain a mobile business. But now, you know, we live in an era of Uber and Postmates and everything's being delivered. And so um, browse are too. I love that. I think that is, that was like the best story. I mean, first of all, I think so many <laughs> people you. are listening or just like, yes, yes, I can totally understand this. I mean, thinking back to your mom, I mean, at 18, yeah. you, of course, I totally get it. I remember like 18, you're like, oh, you know, you kind of felt like you knew everything at that age. <laughs> and then now you're like, mom, you were just like the smartest person ever, right? To give Which me. I think we all figure out later in life, right? We, we all know that our moms are so smart. Yeah. Exactly. But only after you make a few mistakes, unfortunately, it's yeah. like, we could just recognize right. earlier. I think that's fantastic. And I mean, I love how you say this little thing, which now has turned into a big thing. And just the, yes. the concept of this, of just really finding the, the, the kind of the discomfort there. Cause you think of in, in the industry, because we've all been there where you're just like, gosh, I have to go get my brows done, but it's only a 15 mm -hmm. minute appointment. But then I've got to drive, like you said, in LA, it's, it's never mm -hmm. a quick drive. So then I'm like, yep. can I, can I get out of work early or, or when do I go? And, but so I'm driving an hour for 15 minutes and then 
Mm-hmm. You start hearing, I remember when I had my business, clients would kind of almost talk themselves out of it or they would cancel appointments because, right. because of traffic. And I think it's just absolutely brilliant. And that's why I'm just so excited to have you here on the Thank on the you. I really appreciate today. that. Of course, of well, course. Well, and I think I think there's interesting little things there. You know, um, you know, th- this is definitely something that was not born overnight. Um, I was just sort of paying attention to all the messages that were coming in. Right. Um, you know, my first career path was in the film industry. This was not my dream. I was not the kid who was dreaming about doing brows as a child. Yeah. This was, you know, something that came from, you know, a. a desire and a need more than anything. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, along the way, I mean, you know, Jane Warwanda is one of my favorite people in the world. And she was a huge mentor to me early on. I I went to a talk at a Dermalogica event. Um, She was speaking about, you know, she has all these wonderful bits of wisdom. And she was talking about um, doing the big, scary thing versus the easy thing. Mm -hmm. And I went up and talked to her after class and I gave her like a one sentence line. I said, you know, I'm a makeup artist sometimes. And I run this like mobile brow business sometimes. And I'm just this girl who does too many things. And how will I ever grow a business? And she thought for one second, she thought you should separate the brow business from your name. Your name should be your makeup business. And the brow should be something else. And it, I couldn't hear it right away because I didn't quite know what to do with that. I was like, well, I don't have a name different than mine and I don't know what to do with that. But it was a couple of years later that I was like, wait, I think I should name this company. And it was really her idea, not mine. But um, but yeah, you know, it's just been amazing. All the different um, people who've given me little pearls of wisdom along the way and even just noticing sometimes like I, you know, I knew that when I walked into that office that day that I was kind of in my flow and I knew I was doing something different and even I didn't quite understand how it was going to work, but mm-hmm. I knew that it was working for me at the time. And, you know, the best thing about it is now we service a bunch of companies everywhere. I mean, now we're in San Francisco at Salesforce and LinkedIn and Google and in LA, we're in Twitter and Condé Nast and Viacom and FabFitFun. And I mean, I could go on and on anywhere where there are groups of women who, you know, who don't want to spend their lunch hours or their weekends, like you said, Mm -hmm. getting their brows done because brows is a necessity. It really is. It makes you feel like a million bucks when your brows are done. You feel like the world is, you know, you can conquer the world, but the difference is, yeah. But the difference is that brows is not a manicure and it's not a massage. So you're not enjoying it. Like you just need your massage on your Saturday mm-hmm. or your manicure where you can just like chill out. It's like a service you have to do. It's slightly painful sometimes, you know, but it's so great when it's done. Yeah. So that's why we really love bringing it to the office. I love that. I'm so glad also too, that you mentioned your, your clients that you're currently working with because you do have quite a list on, um, your website, which of course, we'll thank you. Be sure that everyone can um, check that out at flybrow.com. Uh, check out yep. Susie's website through there. And it, you know, it is true, especially within our industry skin therapist, um, cosmetologist, massage therapist, anyone in this industry does have that deep seated passion for what they do. Mm-hmm. And I love mm-hmm. the little bit that you said about really you you kind of started seeing the signs, you're kind of hearing these little voices are just like, Hey, this is interesting. These pearls of wisdom. And then Mm -hmm. really taking a moment to listen and tune into it and finding out this actually just really turned into like, this is like your gift and and your craft and making a full on business out of it, which I think is, is so exceptional. And I loved how you mentioned too, that everyone is 
about brows are a necessity. I mean, I do. I feel 100% better <laughs> when I get my brows done. As long as I have healthy right? skin yep. and a well-shaped brow, I am like, yeah. I can kind of conquer the world pretty much with those. I agree. Things. Yes. Most so people say their brow, their essentials are like on a desert island. Their essentials <laughs> are like, you know, good skin, mascara, and a brow pencil. Like I would say those are the top three things that you would need right. if you were stuck right. somewhere. Forget about water. Just give me good brows. Yeah. Right? Right. I love <laughs> yeah. it. So that kind of leads me to the next question is where do you think I kind of, I call it an obsession for mm -hmm. the perfect brows like originated from like right now, it seems that when you look on like Instagram or you kind of see any type of celebrity or just following mm -hmm. anyone on any type of social media platform, these full natural darker brows tend to be very prominent. So I guess it's like two point, two part question is where do we think mm -hmm. The the, I, the thought behind the brows being really well-shaped came from and the current trend of, of how our brows are looking right now. Mm -hmm. So I definitely think that brows can be a trendy thing. They're definitely, I mean, I think some of us have some PTSD from the 80s and 90s when brows were trending thinner um, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, like that pencil-y Baywatch brow, as I used to call them, mm -hmm. um, where it was really thin and that's what certain celebrities were doing. And um, I definitely think now we know that that was kind of a mistake because, you know, women who are the baby boomers know that their brows are not growing back from those years. And we all know somebody, either ourselves or our moms or somebody who has over-tweezed and fallen victim to the, the trend, quote, quote unquote. So I think that trends are tricky. Um, I do think that, um, you know, now we're sort of more into natural beauty and that's a trend and the bigger bushy brow is a trend. And, you know, I think women's bodies are stronger and so are their brows. And so I think that's sort of what's happening. We've just changed our beauty aesthetic in general. Um, but I do think thicker brows are here to stay. Um, I don't completely believe in following brow trends. I think, you know, you can change your hair, you can change your clothes, your makeup. You can change how you feel in your brows, but I do think that the way you shape your brows should just be um, a combination of one, what's most flattering for your face, and two, the hair that you grow and have available to you. So I think sort of falling prey to trends can be tricky because if you over-tweeze at some point in your life or do something that can um, compromise the shape ultimately, I think you will also have some PTSD later in your life. Oh yeah. So, We've all done that. Yeah. Where you're just like, yes, exactly. Yes. And you're like, why did I pull that hair? That did not need to go. Yeah. Yes. Right. You create the, right. the, the, well, and also one hair will come back, right? Like if you pull right. one hair by accident, hopefully that the hope is that, that, that will come, come back. back. Yes. It's just the multiple that follow. <laughs> yes. And it's just the idea of trends in general, mm -hmm. you know, where we have, we have noticed. And the thing I do love is the easy trends are like, if it's big and bushy and full, fine, that's not going to harm you. Right. That's just like putting your tweezer down and just like going with what God gave you, you know? Right. But as far as the trends about like overly shaped or, you know, there is a trend on Instagram actually where it's like a very filled in, penciled in brow which starts very light in the front and it gets like hard and pointy kind of at the end that's a trend mm -hmm. um I would say that that was birthed by Instagram so I would say it's the Instagram brow mm -hmm. um and you know I think that that's just a personal aesthetic some people think that that is beautiful and that is beauty and I think that's a personal choice um and also the community and the culture that you're in 
also yeah. probably has an opinion on that based on versus, you know, like the runway girls now, which are, they're barely doing their brows. It's like the bushier, the better. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a broad spectrum of what a brow trend looks like these days. I think we've learned our lessons from 30 years ago. Yes. Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, I always... I always think about that when uh, Brooke Shields and her brows, right? And yes, I yes. remember being, I totally have, and I probably still do have brow envy for that. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I think we all do. If I could yeah. just, right. But I, and I think I you made such a great point about, you really have to look at what's best for you. Um, your face yeah. shape, the, your mm -hmm. brow hair or brow density, the way things are growing, the color of your brow. Yep. So how does someone who is a professional skin therapist who's actually um, giving the, the brow services or shaping brows, mm -hmm. how do they help their clientele understand they need to achieve their best brow, not kind of yeah. like, oh, here's a picture off of Instagram. Can you give me yes. this? How do you handle that? So that is such a good question. Um, I think, you know, it's funny, one of Dermalogica's thoughts and beliefs is that they give you your best skin as opposed to the best skin. And I would say Flybrow follows that same um, core value, which yes, we pride ourselves in giving you your best brows and not the best brows. Because, you know, it's funny, um, if you do look on Instagram, which is a place that we do a lot of our marketing and our sharing of our work, um, we do post brows with holes in them and we post brows that are uneven and we post brows that grow in the wrong direction because we're not looking to post only perfection, which I do think a lot of other brow companies do, but we're looking to post perfection for that person that we've given them an improvement and we've given them the tools to show someone to say, Hey, look, this girl started with holes in her brows, but look what we've done to help her. We've either tinted or we've brushed in a different direction or we've shown her a better shape for her. And so sometimes what I do think is that people can find themselves in those images. I get DMs all the time in the Instagram that say, oh my God, this looks like me. And it's some girl with really thin brows and we brushed them down and trimmed the arch in and done a few little tricks that she can then say, oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Wait, maybe I should try that. And to me, that's the gift of giving, you know, you give it all away for free. I just want to give it away and let everybody master their own best brow, right? Because that's the that's the beauty of it. Um, and for pros, you know, I would say definitely each client is a new bit of info. There's no cookie cutter client. I mean, unless you have that one girl with the perfect thick brow that you can arch into the perfect shape, which does happen. We have brow crushes on all those girls, as you mentioned. But I think um, the first few things you have to do with a new client, and I'm sort of speaking to professionals here, I would say the first thing is the assessment. You know, you sit down with your client and it's first what you can see with your eyes. You can see what kind of hair they have, the direction of the hair growth, the spacing of the brows from each other, how much hair they have, and sort of base your beginning of your plan in your mind as to what you can see. And then the second step I would say is get to know your client. The next part comes out of talking. Discuss what they've been doing. How long has it been since they've done their brows? How much growth do they have based on how long it's been since they've done them? Are they an everyday tweezer or are they someone who's waited a month between brow sessions? You know, how often are they getting their brows done? Maybe if you see some holes or some spots, you can ask, you know, can she grow hair back? What does she think based on the amount of hair that happens? Um, also, you want to get to know your customer as far as 
Will, is she somebody who would normally fill in her brows? Because if the edit you need to make would help with a pencil or a powder, you need to know if she's that girl or not. Because you don't want to turn a girl away out of your chair and, you know, you do the best you can and you charge her for brows and you send her home and then she can never recreate what you did. That to me is not giving her the best service possible. What my favorite thing is at Flybrow especially is my favorite thing is when a client thinks of you the next morning. It's not the day you send them home with their brows done by you, filled in by you. Obviously, you're going to do a better job. You're a professional. It's when they wake up in the morning and they look at themselves in the, in the mirror the first time. They're like, oh, yes, I got my brows done yesterday and they are looking fly. Yeah, that's and then so. also and then I love it when they like will take a picture of it and then send it to you yes. and say uh, or even do their own little social media post about check out my brows, living my best brow life right here. Yes. You know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. That, that is great. Now there are, I mean, a lot of our therapists out there do multiple services, right? So mm -hmm. not yep. just not just brows. Um, whether that's shaping, waxing, tweezing, threading, tinting, depending on what their personal preference is. Mm -hmm. But I think that, I mean, and just, just, this just comes from personal experience from when I had my business um, for skincare is that we did skincare and we did brows because mm -hmm. our we just did brows really well, but it took some time. Mm -hmm. And what I was hoping you could share is if there's someone who wants to kind of maybe build up their brow business or maybe mm -hmm. what I call it is up their brow game. What would yeah. be your advice for them to do that? They do a lot, maybe a lot of skin services, but they're thinking, man, I just, mm -hmm. I really want to make my brow services stronger. What would you say? So I think that's a great question because the thing about skin therapists is they have the client in their chair. So most Skin therapists are offering brow services to their clients, and I think it's a great thing to just know that you can have a higher client retention for more services if you are better at more things. So, you know, the struggle for me was that I was not great at facials in beauty school, but I really loved brows, and for me that was the thing that I knew I was really good at. And I struggled with that for a little bit because I was like, there's no way I was put on this planet just to do eyebrows. Like it just feels too small. Um, but what I know now is that it is not that small. It's big because when you can change somebody's brows, um, you can change their, their inner beauty. You can open up the, you could through the external beauty, you can open up the internal beauty. And I think that goes for skincare. You know, when someone's skin is glowing, when their brows are good, you know, you just put a little extra pep in someone's step. So I definitely think that um, the skin therapist has the advantage of the client in the chair already. And in order to up their brow game, I think education is a huge piece of that. And, you know, we've all been to beauty school and we kind of know that beauty school is kind of an overview of everything, right? It's an overview of, you know, skin and electricity and, you know, product usage and brows and you do a little bit of makeup. I mean, you just kind of do a little bit of everything because in, for, in this country it's 600 hours and you have a license as opposed to multiple years in Europe. So I think... Um, what you know even the idi does the international dermal institute offering extra education is so key to upping your game in every department of your life and at flybrow we actually offer a flybrow academy um, we do this a couple times a year and we offer it because i think becoming an expert in brows 
can be so important to you know, retention of your clients. I do believe that you can build a business and a reputation through browse because you leave your business card on your client's face. And that's how word of mouth works. You know, someone will say, wow, where do you get your brows done? And the next thing you know, you have a new client. So um, I really do believe in education. I think that it is the, the key. You know, one thing I know by teaching some of these Flybrow Academies already is that everybody comes with a little bit of knowledge, but what they don't come with is a lot of confidence. And what I know to be the difference between good brows and great brows is confidence. And I think if you can take a course or you can learn somebody else's tricks and just up your brow game a little bit. What you do is you invest in your confidence and then what you get is the result of super happy clients. Yes, exactly. And I loved how you said that too about just really building your confidence on that because mm -hmm. you know, your brows are oftentimes the first thing that somebody sees. And so clients get, mm -hmm. they get nervous. I mean, we've all been there where you find that one person who does your brows exactly how you like them. And then maybe, yeah. you, maybe you move, maybe your therapist moves, but it's just really, you know, feeling like I can, I can read the eyebrow and I know exactly yeah. what to do. Right. I can, I can, well, and it's a joke. It. I even say, yeah, I say like, I speak eyebrow. It's the, yeah. it's a weird thing. Like it's, oh, it's strange um, to the, to, to somebody who isn't a professional who doesn't do this stuff for a living, mm -hmm. but you know, I really, I can look at somebody's brows and I can understand them. It's like nature is speaking to me. I really do understand that like the brow sometimes doesn't want to be brushed in a certain direction. It doesn't want to be, you know, pushed and gelled and whatever. It kind of wants to be understood for its natural state and then for someone to shape it into that natural state. So I do, I completely, it's, it's a funny thing, but I, I agree with you. I love that. I speak brows. I think, I mean, I bet you <laughs> therapists who are listening today are going to think, you know what, I need to learn how to speak how to brows. Speak exactly. Yep. And I liked That's how right. you also mentioned too about the skin therapist and you already have the client in your chair and, mm -hmm. you know, brows, that's a great additional service right along with your skin treatment. So if they're coming, yep. if they're trusting you with the largest mm -hmm. organ in their body and mm -hmm. their skin they should be trusting you with the shape and maintenance and the care of their brow. So I think, I think it's a great way to add another boost to your business by really honing in on your art of brow shaping. So I'm glad that you were able to, to touch on that. And I know you and I have had other discussions too about how skin therapists can kind of grow their business. And you've mentioned, mm -hmm. you've mentioned in our past conversations that you want to really empower skin therapists with the tools to choose yes. brows as a living. So can you expand yeah. on that? Yes. And I think that, thank you for reminding me that I said that in the yeah. past. Yeah. Um, I do. I think that's the real motivation behind Flybrow Academy. It's really about the fact that I know that I speak eyebrows, we've established, and I would love to teach other artists and other professionals how to do that as well. And you know, I'm one person with two hands and there's no way I can have every client in the planet, even though my real dream would be to help everybody because I get a lot of messages and DMs from people who live in other places. And I really want to help everybody. I mean, I always say, oh, send in your photo and I'll tell you if I can help you in a picture. But it's different than me getting my own hands on somebody. And what I know is that if I can empower 
um, an artist to understand browse and to grow their own business. I mean, you know, if you make a small investment in a class, you can turn around and charge more for the service. It comes back to you tenfold. And also as you grow your confidence as a brow artist, you also, you know, are able to grow that part of your business as well. So yes, I am hugely motivated by the empowerment of the artists. Um, I would say empowering women on both sides of the chair. I think what I do as a brow artist really unlocks inner beauty and um, confidence in the client, which then fuels me as a human. I mean, that, that is like everything I live for. And empowering the artist and watching them light up when they understand that they can do so much better also gives me life. So I really am focused on the woman or the man on both sides of the chair. Right, right. Because you do browse for men and women. I've seen yes, that on your Yes, we yeah. do. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes, exactly. And I do think we need more education around it. You know, I don't know of another school that teaches brows. There are master classes I've seen, but those aren't usually hands-on. And the one thing that we've really tried to maintain with Flybrows at the beginning part of the class uh, is theory, where we mm-hmm. literally break down the face, the hair, symmetry, all the things. And then the second half of the class is hands-on training. Okay. And that is really the moment where you think you know what you're doing, then all of a sudden you're the one holding the tweezers and you're like, wait, what do I do with this again? <laughs> um, it really is, it's it's really important. Um, and yeah, and that's- so I wanna, now, now that I do it, I wanna pay it forward. Well, that's perfect. And then all of us are on, like you said, both sides of the chairs are benefiting from your knowledge and from your passion as well. And I'm excited because we actually have a collaboration between Eyebrow Academy and Dermalogica coming up. So if someone's listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, Susie, I'm so excited about this training. How do I get my hands on this? Um, We've got an exciting opportunity coming up. We can talk about we that. do. It's going to be um, on July 15th and it will be held at the Dermalogica headquarters in Carson. And we are trying to see if we can possibly stream it as well for those of you listening who do not live in the area. Um, and there will be information about all of this on Flybrow's website uh, under Flybrow Academy. Perfect. Excellent. And we are excited to partner with this. I think this is going to be, you know, like we said, we're changing skins and we're changing brows, right? One, one day at a time. Exactly. I will definitely keep all of our podcast listeners up to date on updates and changes and any more details regarding this amazing workshop that we're going to be hosting. So July 15th at the Dermalogica headquarters in Carson, And again, stay tuned. We'll keep you guys posted on what's coming around the corner with that. But it's definitely exciting. It's going to be an an amazing experience, especially with the hands-on. So much learning, so much community and connection. And that's really what this industry is all about as well. Thank you. It's funny. It reminds me of a story when I was just listening to you say that. Uh, I once worked at a salon early in my early days of kind of piecing my life together with like, I had a little bit of a job here and a little bit of a job there when I really needed it. And I had a boss who wouldn't let me watch her work. Um, it was so bizarre. She, we worked in an open space and when I didn't have a client, I would just sort of walk around and I wanted to learn from everybody and I would try and watch her. And she once told one of the other artists to tell me that I was not allowed to watch her. And I just felt like, gosh, one day I'm going to 
let everybody watch <laughs> and, you know, teach and be so open because I feel like it's just the difference between like a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. And I would love to sort of put it out into the world to share it. And um, mostly because of that experience that I had that, you know, I wasn't allowed to learn from somebody that I was working for. Yeah. And that made a huge impact on you. And I think in our industry as well, it's not about competition. It's really, it should be about community. And that's why we strive like definitely so hard with Dermalogica and the International Dermal Institute to build that community and that connection. So you can be around like-minded people and mm -hmm. you always learn something when you're in a class I agree. or you're in an online course or you're just mm -hmm. networking as well. Um, so let's kind of continue down the path of talking about the business side of brows as we've been doing. Mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned, seeing is believing. A lot of people mm -hmm. you know, look for images online or they post their own photos. When... Um, when knowing, I guess when they're looking for, especially if someone is a brow expert, like, you know, should I go to this person to get my brows mm -hmm. done? Let me see his or her work and mm -hmm. see what I think. I think people are researching and a lot of consumers especially are researching more before they actually maybe take the chance on someone new, right? To do their, right. to do their brows. Yeah. So how mm -hmm. can a therapist actually use social media platforms to their advantage to elevate their brow business while consumers are kind of looking online to see where they want to go mm -hmm. to next. So I really think this is such a huge piece of business these days and it's kind of changed overnight in a way. It's been a very short amount of time where Instagram has emerged to be this amazing platform where it's free publicity. You know, it is uh, amazing what we can create and what we can share and the stories we can tell on this amazing platform. And, you know, sometimes it can drive you crazy and you're like, oh, I don't have my post out for today or I'm not ready with this or whatever. But I do think in the big picture, it's really a benefit. Um, we, my favorite thing is when I have a client sit in the chair and, you know, first I'll say, you know, how did you hear about us? She's like, oh, well, I've been following your Instagram. And sometimes they'll have driven from far, you know, in San Francisco, sometimes a girl will be like, oh, I drove here from Sonoma. That's like an hour away. Wow. So that to me is just a true testament that our social media is working. Number one, mm -hmm. number two, you know, we do a lot in stories. So, so Instagram is the platform I use the most. We do have a Facebook. Um, I can't speak to it completely because we haven't done a great job about creating pages and things, which I know people do um, really well, better than me. But um, we really use Instagram a lot and um, we use our stories. So I think Instagram is twofold. One is what's in your feed. Obviously that's there forever and that's kind of your company's billboard. And then the other thing is stories. And I think stories is really interesting because you can tell a story in stories. And I believe what's amazing is if you take people on the journey of the transformation. So what I like to do is everything I've experienced or thought, like sometimes a girl will sit down and she'll sit down with brows that she's filled in herself. And I'll take a picture of that. And then I'll explain to her like, you know, the fronts you drew in were kind of harsh and they were kind of far apart from each other. And I'm gonna document this so that you can see the transformation and learn from it. But I'm also gonna share it, if you don't mind, so that other people can also learn from it. Because I bet if you're doing it, then 200 people are also doing it. And so 
I'll document the first photo and then I'll take off the makeup and take a picture of her actual before brows and then I'll do the brow shaping or the tinting or whatever service she needed and then I'll take the after photo and in the story you're kind of along for the ride you know you'll I, what I'd like to do is sort of tell the story of the client and all it's all from a place of love it's never from a place of criticism like she's done something wrong it's only from a place of we are trying to help this person do better, look better, feel better, all those things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been a really fun thing that people people sit down and they're like, oh my God, my guilty pleasure at night is your Instagram stories. Like I just get in bed and I don't have to judge myself. It's not like somebody's doing something better or worse than I am. I just get to go on the journey of all these people who get to look and feel better at the end of it. And you know, it's just amazing. Yeah. It's like music to my ears. And the other thing about social media that I think is really interesting and very poignant for a skin therapist is that a lot of what happens happens behind a closed door. Mm -hmm. You know, a skin therapist is in a kind of a dark room a lot of the time. You know, if you're a brow artist, you're still one on one with your clients. And so I think when people are shopping for new artists and new people, they can't really see what what happens behind that closed door. So I think what's really interesting is it's kind of opening the door to your services and saying, if you come to me, this is what it looks like. You know, this this is what my room looks like. This is what the chair looks like. These are what my products look like. This is what you will look like if you come to me. Um, I think those messages speak volumes and it gives people a level of comfort to take a chance on a new artist or to, you know, trust their brows. I mean, brows are a very sacred thing because they only grow back slowly. Right. So if somebody does a bad job, you know, you're kind of in, it's like a bad haircut, you know, you have to grow it back out. And that's uh, a level of nervousness for a lot of new clients who don't know what you're gonna do with their brows. So a lot of it, I think for social media is, you can grow your business on social media, but you have to be very open about showing people what you do behind that closed door and share the magic, the magic that you feel when you transform somebody's brows, share that with other people because they it's infectious. They will also feel so good by seeing it. And you know, our Instagram is only our work. We don't post any inspirational photos or photos of celebrities that we don't do brows on. Um, and you know, and sometimes the celebrities, it's hard which I'll just address for a moment because, you know, we do celebrities, but a lot of times you can't always take photos of them. So, you know, sometimes you have to just get a little creative in the way that you get photos of them. Um, for a couple of years there, I was doing Lady Gaga's brows. Um, I was doing them for like three years. Um, but yeah, you know, she's, she was one of my big clients and um, I still do Mindy Kaling and we do a lot of the bachelor girls and you know, it's a, it's a great thing to be able to show the clients that you have, but you also have to be super respectful and very careful about who and what you show as far as that, because it's also their private lives and it's like, you know, not everybody wants to announce where they get their brows done or how they get them done and stuff like that. But I do think social media is such an uh, unbelievable tool to share your work and to promote yourself and you know a lot of what happens in our company where our pop-ups are going to be new cities that we grow into it's all in our instagram feed you can kind of tell the history of our evolution through our instagram and i think that's been really fun i think that's great thank you so much for getting into such depth with that it's so helpful Susie, because a lot of you know skin therapists get can get overwhelmed like they're thinking oh my gosh i've got all this all this work i have to do today i have clients back to back 
when am I supposed to squeeze this in? But I think the Instagram stories is such a great educational mm-hmm. piece for them because it's very transparent and it's very real and it's happening yeah. now. And this, I feel those are very like authentic so that it's like, I didn't filter this. I didn't try to do anything mm-hmm. special. And I love the idea of the before, the during and the after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really paid itself forward for us, at least. I mean, the feedback that we've gotten in our stories. And, you know, I follow like every bra person in the country. At least I try to because I think we're all part of the same community. And I do try and watch because I'm learning, too. You know, I'm always learning to see, oh, well, that was cool or that was interesting. And I really don't see anybody doing stories like we do them. You know, a lot of people post perfection, as you just Mm -hmm. mentioned. You know, they post finished and fine-tuned and you know face-tuned even or whatever they're doing to their photos and we really post like before and after in and over and over like if we have a big day there will there could be 20 girls on there in one day Mm -hmm. um and so I really it's really been an amazing thing the other thing too that um I mentioned before is confidence you know one thing that I do know also with social media is that it definitely takes a little bit of confidence to get out of your own way and just allow yourself to post. You know, stories only last 24 hours and your consumer cannot see them anymore. So if you mess up or you post something that wasn't perfect, it's gone in 24 hours. The likelihood that it's gonna like ruin your page or anything is very slim. And another thing that I struggle with is, you know, in my feed, obviously I'm the founder of the company, but we have other artists that work with us as well. I I struggle with sort of being the celebrity of my company, you know, sort of being the person. So I very seldom will post, but my assistant actually will get me out of my own way. And she's like, oh, you're doing this thing. We should post a picture of you. And I was like, oh boy. Okay. (laughs) But I, but I understand it. So I understand I've talked to a lot of artists. We're, we're comfortable behind the chair, behind the camera. You know, I don't necessarily want to be in front of the camera. Um, I don't have the greatest brows. Like nature didn't bless me. I just have to fill them in every day. So, you know, it is really interesting. That is a piece of it about being really exposed in social media and just allowing yourself to be seen, Mm -hmm. you know, honesty is the best tool, I think. But it's important for everyone to, I think, who are, who's trying to embrace the social media aspect of kind of showing their work that, you Mm -hmm. know, letting more people see your talent, experience your magic, let them identify and connect with you, especially these before and afters where someone's, like you had mentioned earlier, saw an image or an Instagram story of someone who had over tweezed brows or maybe like, um, the arch was off or maybe there's like a hole in the brow and they're like, Oh my gosh, that's me too. Like I have that Mm -hmm. problem. Wow. She had her brows, you know, they were able to be shaped and filled and fixed. I feel like there's some Mm -hmm. hope for me. And so I think it's also building that connection and a little bit of emotion with it, emotion with it as well. I think that is, is so key that people want to find something that they can relate to and something that feels definitely attainable and human that I want to know who is behind the chair because that's who mm-hmm. I want to be trusting with, like mm-hmm. you said, with, right. with your brows as well. Um, I want to be sure we have time to do this because oftentimes this is one of our favorite parts of the podcast is when we do a little bit of uh, myth busting. And yeah. I know we both were talking about kind of some of the do's, the don'ts, but a lot of the kind of, I call them urban legends that are out there mm-hmm. around brows. So I have three that I want to go over with you and get your professional opinion on. So let's start 
with number one that there are brow margins. So there's where the brows should begin and where they should end. But do you mm -hmm. think that there are old guidelines that maybe we don't really need to follow anymore? Yes, so I feel really passionate about this because I think there's so much old information out there. If you were just to Google like a diagram of like, where should brows begin? The likelihood of what will come up is a guide that shows you that brows should begin on the outside of your nostril or at your tear duct. And what's so interesting is that, first of all, everybody's nose is different, right? How can you make a rule that a brow should begin at the outside of a nostril? What if you have a wide nose? What if you have a skinny nose? I mean, that to me seems like a really precarious rule to begin with. The tear duct, okay, fine. Most people's tear ducts are in the same spot, but I think that's too far away. It's too wide. I am a huge fan of the brow margin being at the bridge or the ball of the nose, which I know is a lot closer together than most people are comfortable with and have ever heard of before. Um, I have this funny little rule where when I'm teaching people who you know don't understand brows, they don't do them for a living, you know, if you put your index finger in between your two eyebrows, that's pretty much the only hairs you need to tweeze and take away. Now, granted, sometimes naturally, on either side of your finger, you don't grow that much hair, so that's fine if it just doesn't grow there. But if it does grow, you have the potential for these long, luxurious brows that could be longer than what our sort of old brow margin uh, graphs tell us. And I think, to me, if you think of anybody who you had a brow crush on, you know, like Lily Collins or Zendaya or any of these girls with these like long, luscious brows, they don't start at the tear duct or the outside of the nostril. They start so much closer in to, towards the bridge of the nose. Yeah. So I, that's what I teach. I teach that that is a myth that has been on the internet for a long time. And the more people I can share my vision with and the more people that put their index finger between their eyebrows <laughs> and to see how <laughs> kind of small that is. Yeah. I know everybody's doing it right I'm now. I'm doing it right now. You know I am. Yeah. I'm here going like, and then of course I'm now I'm thinking to myself, man, I really wish my brows would grow <laughs> that far yes. over but I wasn't I know. that, but that's okay. That's what, yeah. you know, that's Same. what that tinting and filling in is always good for. That's right. Okay. That's exactly right. Myth number two. What do mm. you think about the phrase, brows should be sisters, not twins? Oh, it makes my stomach turn. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I've been very known to preach the opposite. Um, I know that a lot of people just kind of accept the golden rule or whoever, I don't know whoever made that sentence up, but to me, it's the worst sentence ever. It's like saying, go to school and try, aim for a C, see if you can get a C. Like to me, that's such a bummer. I think you should always aim for the top, aim for the best, see if you can get an A, and if you get a B or a C, then it's totally fine. So to me, I aim for twins every time. And if I land at sisters, then that's just sometimes with nature, you can't help certain things. But I still think that even if your brows are uneven or they're different from each other, that's why product exists because we're supposed to use that product to edit the, the asymmetry and to bring your brows from sisters to twins. Mm -hmm. So I do think 
So that sentence just makes me laugh every time I hear it, because if I was building a business where I was trying to make sisters all day long, I think I just wouldn't be in business. And right. so if I'm talking to any skin therapists out there and, you know, I would say like, you always want to do your best and deliver the best. And if twins are the best, as far as brows go, then try for twins. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and like you said, sometimes you can't help it with yeah. You know, what nature gave you that, whether you've got a higher arch on one side or not, but there are different tools and ways to be able to shape that. And I think it goes back mm -hmm. to education and training and making sure you're constantly just pushing yourself, right, a little bit further. Yeah. Okay. I love right. that. I had to ask you that one, of course. You know? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, number three, brows always have to be brushed up to be shaped. So this is a tricky one, and I think this is one that not many people know, and this is one of my favorite things to teach. So because I speak eyebrow, which sounds funny, I keep saying it now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I love it. I'm totally, I'm going to take that from you. I'm like, exactly. When I'm yes. speaking my brows, I'll be like, I'm speaking to my eyebrows. These are good. Exactly, exactly. So what I know is that not all brows are created the same, right? So not all brows grow in the same way. And what I have seen in the past is that most people use like brow gels and products and they all brush their brows up. And so what I find is that certain people, especially from certain cultures, like an Asian brow definitely grows down almost, I'd say 98% of the time. And so what happens in that brow is that that girl can't get a good arch because she's just tweezing too much because her brows grow down and she thinks she has to grow them up. And then you get this kind of like you bend shape in the hair and it never quite is as sharp or sort of clear as you'd want it to be. So I think definitely, and it's something that's so fun to watch people when they have the aha moment, when they see me do it for the first time, but especially take into consideration different cultures, um, you know, like African-American brows can be curly. You have to just see what the hair is doing and how it lays naturally the best. And then you can cut the arch in with a scissor instead of brushing it up. And sometimes you can change somebody's life because then they really do get to wake up the next morning with their brows in the same shape. They don't have to wake up and grab brow gel first thing in the morning to like re-glue their brows in a direction that goes in the way that sort of our media tells them, brush your brows up, that's the direction they should go. So I do think that's a myth and I think um, especially for the professional and for the, you know, if a customer is listening right now and she's kind of like, well, wait, my brows kind of grow down. Like that kind of sounds like me. I definitely think this is the one thing that could change your life. If we could get our hands on you and turn the scissor, you would uh, get your life changed. Right. Exactly. And it's just thinking about it differently that it doesn't yeah. have to always be the same. As you mentioned, you know, just like every skin is different, everyone's brows are different as well. And so you just yeah. have to think mm -hmm. about, what, what are my brow hairs doing right now? What's my shape? What's my face shape? And then just in and, and being educated. And I think that's what skin therapists and, you know, brow artists do so well. It's not just the service. It's about everything else that comes with it, which is yeah. educating them on how to take care of them, you know, mm -hmm. how, how to use their tools, their products, you know, when to step away from the mirror and put the tweezers down. I think that's also. Oh my God. Always. <laughs> of, Don't of, tweeze in the rear view mirror of your car. Yes. I mean, there's so many things, you know, yes. so many people do that because they're like, but the lighting is good. And I agree with you. The lighting is so good in the rear view mirror, but what you don't have in the rear view mirror is perspective and the right. over tweeze is so common. <laughs> right. So common. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> well, I do have a final question for you because, you know, again, everyone is probably, 
probably listening to this loving and hanging on every word that you're saying, but what, what is the future for Flybrow? You said you've been around for about three to four years. So what could you share with us moving forward? So I have big dreams for Flybrow and, you know, I think it's going to take the love and energy of everyone in this industry to sort of make it happen. Um, I would love to grow everywhere. And I, as I said before, you know, I'm one person with two hands. So I think sort of the bridge to all that growth is the academy. It's about teaching and empowering other artists and then possibly having other artists run Flybrows in their own cities. I would love to teach other brow uh, artists and um, skin therapists how to run a business like this where you can be a single mom and you can be um, somebody who can't be somewhere from nine to five or work at a salon where you have to be there at certain hours. I would love to empower someone to understand how to work for themselves and how to make the business work for them. It's been a gift for me. Um, it's taken me over 10 years to figure out this model and to, how to make it work and how to what kind of marketing materials you need to send into companies. But, you know, if I can do companies here in L.A. and in San Francisco and in New York, you know, if you live in Florida, who's to say that you're an artist who can't run a flybrow in Florida? And we could teach you all the things that you would need to know how to run your own mobile business. Um, so that would be my dream to franchise it and to empower others to spread the flybrow message everywhere. I love that. I love that. I think that's fantastic. And, you know, you have been such a gift for us today. So thank you so much, Susie, for joining us and sharing all of your amazing advice, your great stories, just your passion for the industry as well. And then I just want to remind everyone, of course, Flybrow Academy is going to be hosted at Dermalogica at our headquarters in Los Angeles on July 15th. And I just want to, again, thank you, Susie, for joining us today. We so appreciate it. And thank you for changing the world one brow at a time. Oh, thank you so much, Beth. It means so much to me. I mean, it's isn't it funny that we actually talked about brows for an hour? It's like, did I'm we really surprised. have that much to say about them? <laughs> of course it amazes you do. me sometimes. It I is. know, it really is. I could talk forever about them. I think there's so much to know and so much to learn in the industry to it. If it's not a brows you're interested in and if it's something else, this all still applies. It's, you know, you can plug in your own sort of passion and your own thing that you love and make it make sense for you too. You know, the same goes for lash artists and, you know, anyone else who's doing something very similar. Um, And also, you know, the other side of it is if you are listening to this and you live in a city and want Flybrow to come to your office, you should definitely reach out to us for that as well. If you want to be a customer, um, we're always open to growing sort of into new places. And as far as the, the skin therapist, you know, we would love to meet you at any of our academies and definitely become friends with us on, on Flybrow Instagram. And, um, you know, I just look forward to the future of all of it together with both of us. Yes, definitely. It's perfect. I think especially with the industry changing as fast as it is, we can't wait to have you back and talk about any new trends or up, you know, updated industry information about what's happening within the brow scene and how everyone can continue to kind of up their brow game. So we hope to have you back in the future on that as well. Thank you so much. It would be my honor. Oh, of course. All right. Thanks. Thanks everyone for listening. And again, if you have any questions or want to learn more about Flybrow, just please go to flybrow.com and we will talk to all of you soon and have a fantastic day. 
Thank you for listening to Living Skin. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you have any topics you'd like for us to feature, send an email to livingskinpod at dermalogica.com. And until next time, cheers to living in your healthiest skin.